Caleb, I've got beef with yeah. you. You have beef with me now? Yeah. We're only on episode two. We can't start beefing now. Yeah, well, this is this is worth the beef. And you know what this is, Caleb? What? You made us end our first episode on a fade out. I did do that. You Do you know how I, I feel about fade outs? I know you hate fade outs. You know why? Because they're lazy. But. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But hear me out. It was very effective. Fadeouts are a musical cop-out. And, like, I, I would say that even for all auditory media, it is a cop-out. Like, it's just, I don't know how to end this. Fade into silence. And the only reason I'm giving us a pass for this is because the late, great ABBA did it, too. Not that they're dead, but... ABBA did it, and so I will let it slide. Alright. But, but, okay. if we end this episode with a fade-out, or have any kind of fade-out anywhere in here, we will have double beef. Alright everybody, welcome to Just Super, where we analyze, criticize, and otherwise size up superhero fiction. No story is off limits, and no medium is safe. I'm Cordell. And I'm Caleb. And? What's that? Cordell? What? Cordell? Yeah? I can't hear you. Cordell? What? Cordell? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Something's going on. That's right, a new trailer dropped. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That trailer dropped, and oh boy, are we excited for this movie. <laughs> oh boy. I guess we have a trailer discussion segment. Take it away, Caleb. Yes, we do. Okay, can we... Do, I Okay, first of all, I've never heard of Chan- Shang-Chi before this moment. Neither have like, I. Like, before this trailer, I did not hear about him, which I think brings into a cool thing that uh, the MCU is doing, where it's bringing forward unknown things... To the known, we have Shang Chi, Guardians of the Galaxy. Before this, I, I like. I mean, even I to a degree, Iron trend. Man wasn't super well known before the MCU did it. Right. Like, I, I yeah, we're seeing an awesome trend where the MCU can take characters that are lesser known, and I'm sure Shang Chi's got a big old following somewhere. But like, more people know Iron Fist than Shang Chi. Yes. So like, yeah. It is such a chance to bring these characters to the forefront with surprise knockout movies. And I yeah. mean, I'm hoping for it because I don't know what to feel about the movie, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't have. I, this is one of the very few movies I'm going in with very little expectation, mm-hmm. um, which I think is always a good thing. Plus, you're putting Aquafina in a movie. I'm going to show up. She is a delightful actress. She's very funny, very clever. 100%. So, yeah, I just... My biggest concern is that it, it mm-hmm. in the trailer, it doesn't feel very MCU. But I think that's also an excellent chance for them to diversify the style again. Because since Disney took over... They've used almost the exact same color palette constantly. And the color palette is there, but the energy is different. And I think I can definitely get behind that. Well, I I think they are going to be going a different direction simply because look at the success that Ragnarok brought. And that was a total game changer of making Thor into a borderline comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that really showed them that they can change things up. Speaking of changing things up, this is an episode change up. This is our second episode format where each of us bring a not so well-known superhero to the forefront. Much like Marvel is bringing Shang-Chi to the forefront. Think of us as your MCU. We are bringing stuff to the forefront. Such a good segue. I'm really proud of you. 
thank you. I thought about it literally all day. Um. <laughs> well, we are your MCU MCs. Don't connect us to the MCU because we'll probably get sued. But, Caleb, probably. explain to them how this up. Ep- no, I'll explain it since you're going to do all the talking shortly after. Yes. Okay, so like we mentioned in the first episode, we have three different episode kinds. The first episode, which you've theoretically just listened to, Wolverine, is big character with a lot of history, a lot of stuff to talk about. In this kind of episode, we take smaller characters with not as much history, not as much notoriety, and we talk about them. And then we have a surprise at the end. And then to keep up with our theme... We're doing X-Men again. Now, once we get past this first trio of episodes, we won't really do themes. We'll just do whatever we want. But we wanted to ease you in with thematically similar stuff. So, Caleb, take it away. What mutant character have you brought for us this fine day? All right. Today, I am bringing uh, bringing you, Cordell, and you, the listeners, uh, something, someone that I just, like, kind of found out about and then instantly became obsessed with. And that is Bailey Hoskins, a.k.a. Exceptional. Um, So to go over, I'm just going to go brief run. I'm not going to try and, like, take too long on this. Uh, Real World Origin, he was written by Max Bemis, who's the lead singer of a band called Say Anything. Uh, Marvel is notorious for bringing in guest writers that are kind of, like, in popular culture. Uh, They brought in the uh, the McElroy Brothers for a guest run. Uh, they brought in Max Bemis for a guest run. I don't know other people that they brought in. Uh, he, us he in the future. Drawn... I'm speaking that into existence. What? They're going to bring us in the future. Yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. They're going to bring us to write in that Wolverine short series we talk about. We'll make, um, a, we'll make a vision board. Yeah. But not a WandaVision board, because that's been taken. A boom, um, boom, 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 WandaVision. Uh, so uh he was penned by michael walsh uh who is a really big thing in modern comic illustration uh and he was his first issue was the worst x-man ever released on january 6 2016 uh it was intended just to be this short mini series that was like a parody based off of an idea of someone with the worst power ever now uh brief origin he is not from the earth of the main line so marvel has many separate earths the main one that we know of is 616 which is also why a lot of our tags are like just super 616 um but he is from earth 656 uh he's a normal is that, kid is that but 40 earths better i would say it's just a parody earth no like, pretty much everything that takes place on there is, like, this non-canon thing yeah, where yeah. it's, like, nothing is canon. Okay. I, I so, would just really love for, like, the universes in Marvel to be ranked by, like, the best ones. So, 616 is, like, <laughs> honestly, in the grand scheme of the multiverse with infinite Earths, 616 is really sucky. Yeah. Which would explain well, why it it's beset constantly by supervillains. Yep. Um, so, Bailey Hoskins, this normal guy, okay? Nothing really happens. Then both of his parents say, hey, we're mutants, and so we think you're a mutant, but we don't know. Uh, his dad had enough, his dad could, could, could produce heat from himself. There's a joke that he can fry an egg on his chest. Um, and his mother had x-ray vision. So, since most people with two parents that are mutants also become a mutant, his parents were like, hey, we're just going to send you to the Xavier school just in case. Like in Sky uh, High. Yeah, just like Sky High. They're like, we don't know what your power is. So they don't know what his power is yet. But Bailey is like absolutely thrilled because he's like, there's a chance I have a power. Heck Yeah. Which I very much think is written for us as readers to be like, finally, a character who's excited to have a power. Heck yeah. Yeah, nothing Um, could go wrong. No, nothing could go wrong. All right, now that gets to it. So Hank McCoy, 
greets him at the door, Beast, and he's like, all right, we're going to scan you to see what power you have. And then he tells Bailey that he has the power to explode. Whoa. Once. And then he dies. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) So, So this dude's power is to kill himself dramatically at will. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Oh, cool. He can explode once. It must be a small explosion. No, he can take out and level up to half a state. <laughs> like what size state? Like Texas? Like we're talking like, like half like... Montana. So he like can go nuclear at will. He can he can go nuclear at will once. <laughs> So, I know what you're thinking. Man, that kind of sucks. You're right. Now, that's not to say that he has not bounced around a ton of teams. Uh, He starts with the X-Men. And then the X-Men say, "Uh, we're going to put you on X-Force. And then he was kicked out of X-Force because he wasn't able to kill anyone without dying. Then they were like, we're going to send you over to X-Factor. Where he was kicked out for calling Havoc the crappy version, or the crappy Summers brother. Wait, wait. So he was kicked out on an ego trip? Yes. Like, he insulted Havoc, and he was like, I don't need to take this. And he kicked him out? Yes. Now, is that is that, like, parody Marvel? Like, is that because it's in the parody universe, or is that just how Havoc is all the time? That's just how Havoc is, let's be honest. I love Havoc, but that's just how Havoc is. Um, then he was on the New Mutants, which he just they just kicked him out because his power was basically useless. And then he was on Beta Flight, which he actually left Beta Flight of his own volition because, in his words, Beta Flight kind of sucks. Well, they are the second best Canadian superhero group, right? That's Beta it, yeah. Flight. That's like, pretty it. That's pretty like much it. In in the small world of Canadian based and themed superheroes, they are not the best group. Yeah. Um now, family tree, we only know about his two parents. We don't know outside of that. Amorous entanglements, none. He's a teenager. Um retcons, none. Oh, I forgot to mention this earlier. His parents are also killed in issue one in front of him. He goes out to greet them because they were waiting outside the school and a sentinel falls out of the sky and crushes them. So he's his real mutant power is like bad luck, like the opposite of Domino, essentially. It really just is bad luck. Like now. That is not to say that he doesn't have really cool moments. Uh, he has a five-issue series. I suggest if you can get your hands on all five, read all five. Uh, his coolest moment comes at the end of the fifth issue. There is a villain named Riches. Riches can turn anything into gold. So what Riches does is he kills Professor X by turning Professor X's tongue into gold and making him choke on it. Wow. And then, because now he's ostensibly the most powerful mutant because he can manifest gold, he just, he turns anything that's, gets in his way into gold, and eventually just takes over the world because he has gold. So he doesn't turn the world into gold. He just has enough gold to take over the world. Yes. Even By, though... like, wait. Wolverine comes to attack him. Okay. He turns Wolverine into gold. Yeah, but then does he, like, buy out the rest of the world with gold? Pretty much, yeah. But, but wouldn't the overabundance of gold mean that it was suddenly not worth as much so he couldn't buy out the world in gold? Capitalism! And, uh, so... I don't know, bud. It's comics logic. And, yeah, that's uh, fair. That's fair. I should stop searching for logic here. Yeah. Now, 
So here's what happens. Bailey knows Riches. Riches throws a gala once he's taken over a lot of the world and invites who? Bailey Hoskins. Are they friends? Kind of, yeah. They are kind of friends. Uh, there was a brief minute uh, where Bailey fell in with the Brotherhood of Mutants and became friends with Riches. So, Riches invites Bailey. Bailey goes to the gala. Bailey then runs at Riches and detonates and takes out everyone in the building. Every supervillain, Riches, and everything. He levels it. And does the series end? What happens after? That's it. Wait, like, is that like the last panel? Yeah. Well, it goes on to explain some, uh, to do some other stuff, but it's stuff with a character that I want to talk about more in the future named Miranda. That's all I will say is that Miranda becomes a big deal. So that's pretty much it. Lamest moment for Bailey Hoskins. He made fun of Havoc and he was a bully and I really like Havoc. And so that qualifies as a lame moment. Hey, Caleb. I know what you're thinking. Is What? You're lame. I will... I Yeah, you're not wrong. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, live action adaptations, none. It's, it's it, it came out in 2016. Even if they wanted to, they haven't had time. Now, this is when we get into more of the personal analysis stuff. Do they live up to their potential? I'm going to say no. I, I don't think... I think it's a good character. I think there is a lot more they can do, though. Um, and I think throwing him away to a parody is, frankly, insulting to the character. When there is so much that could be done. What would I love to see for this character? So much! Marvel, let me at Bailey Hoskins, okay? I know I said this about Wolverine, but this time I'm more serious, Okay? Let me at Bailey Hoskins. I, you will not regret this because here's the thing. This guy gets to explode once. How do you know when is the right time to use your one-off power? The mental turmoil of that must have been insane. Plus, you literally die. Yeah. What if Bailey has an intense fear of death, like most humans? Huh. This is... So that was a very, very brief synopsis of Bailey Hoskins. I love him. Uh, I want to write for him one day. I want to do a little thing for him. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah. He's... What do you think about this character? Huh. I think he's one of those concepts that sounds like a joke. And then right? becomes serious. Yeah. Like, like it's like, ooh, hee ha ha ha, this is funny. Until you're like, oh, wait, you can actually tell a story here. Which I think he kind of encapsulates the beautiful trend in storytelling that you can have the biggest joke in the world, but you can tell a solid story with anything. Well, I mean, like, I think perfect example referencing what we were talking about earlier in this in the episode, um, but like how I am Groot or like we are Groot. Yeah. Like that was a joke. I am Groot. I am Groot. Uh, that was a great joke. And they made it emotional. Like, I think there is a really good thing in storytelling going on right now where you have jokes becoming emotional. Mm -hmm. It's I love it. Yeah. And I just think he seems like a character that I would love to hear more from. Because, like, mm -hmm. what do I you mean, do? Another just what do you yeah. do? I mean, the, another perfect example uh, for joke turned emotional. And uh, I'm just going to say it because there are some things I don't want to spoil intentionally. But you, some people that listen to this one know what I'm talking about. But Magnus rushes in. In the Adventure Zone. Produced yeah. by the McElroy family. Yes. Magnus rushes in. 
is I, I cry at that phrase sometimes. Um, but yeah, that was Bailey Hoskins. I want to see more from him. I do. And some of the other characters that I'm going to talk about later from his series, I want to know more about Riches. I want to know more about Miranda, who I'm not going to talk about because that is an insane mutant to go into. Um, I, I think the inherent issue, though, in characters yeah. like uh, Exceptional. What's his name? Bailey Hoskins. Bailey Hoskins. You have, we've only said it a thousand times. I think the thing with like characters like Bailey and Exceptional, like he's hard to have an ongoing story. And I think that's the reason he's gone is because they told the one off and left. So, like, I would love to see more. But the issue is it takes a lot of finesse to tell a story like that. And let's be honest, comics just aren't known for finesse. Especially Marvel and DC. Like, love them so much. But there's a reason I don't really follow comics. And that's because... Any writer can do anything and change any story on a whim. They go, ooh, I'm writing for X-Men now. I like you. I don't like you. You're dead. And suddenly you have Bailey Hoskins who's out there and then a new writer comes on and they say, I hate him. He's dumb. He's going to blow himself up here and it'll be dumb. Yeah. And then you have to be even more dumb and resurrect him to do anything else. So, like, there's just... That that it that's fair. Uh like I definitely agree that there is some amount of like, oh, there's not really a good way to do it. But I I, I wish it is a wish thing that that's I fair. wish they could do more. That's uh fair. but I wanna know about your hero now. I've been talking about mine. Well, first it's time for not super Hello, everyone. Welcome to Not Super, where we analyze, criticize, and otherwise size up literally anything else. Not Super what? is brought to you by the Spoonerism of the Day, Booth Trash. What? Booth Trash. Caleb, today on Not Super, I would like to hear your thoughts on those shelf things and showers that stick off the wall and are meant to hold bars of soap but aren't big enough to hold shampoo bottles or body wash. I hate this segment so much. It's never going away. I... <laughs> I... You, this is built to torture me. Um, You know what? I hate them mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Just make them like a half inch wider. That's all it needs. Who, I mean, I know people use bars, but who uses bars? Me. I use a bar of soap. I so, yeah, that was soap, not man. super. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate that segment so much. <laughs> okay. Which is the point of it. I know. We're intentionally antagonizing each other with our segments. Yeah, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing spoonerism of the days. Oh my gosh. Which for those of you who don't know, a spoonerism is where you mix up the first sound of two different words. So spoonerism of today, and I will not explain them after this, was booth trash, which is toothbrush. The more you know. Right. Like if we spoonerized Cordell's name, it'd be Hordell Cutchison. And if that's not a porn name, I don't know what is. (laughs) Yet again... We have no swear words, but we still have challenging ideas. Cordell, go. (laughs) Okay, so I brought in a character that I think is completely baller, yet completely underutilized. And her name is Hisako Ichiki. And her superhero name is Armor. She's an X-Man. Her real-world origin, she first appeared in The Astonishing X-Men Volume 3, Number 4, and she was created by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy. And Joss Whedon, notorious, not great person. Yeah, yeah, Joss Whedon is not the bestest, but sometimes bad people make good art, and we don't have the time nor preparation to tackle that can of worms. 
so we won't right now. But we probably will have like a longer in-depth talk at some point, but we didn't come prepped for that tonight. So Yeah, just I, I would say just just know that uh we know he's a bad person and we in no way want to support him but this one character he made well i mean a few characters he's made is really good so we Mm. want to talk about this character which i know nothing about this character so i want to know more about this person after i'm done you'll know next to nothing let's go people um so first appeared in the astonishing x-men because guess what she's an x-men she's a mutant um her she's from tokyo japan and she kind of like her origin is oh she's from japan and joined the xavier institute like she's just one of those we brought in a bus of students um and then she was immediately thrown into all the normal x-men craziness and i feel like x-men are typically like x-men stories are crazier than normal marvel stories i feel like there's a lot of, lot of, lot of weird, weird stuff that goes on in X-Men. Like, 100%. I I learned tonight researching this that the Xavier Mansion just kind of has a small infestation of tiny demons that look like Nightcrawler that commit mischief all over the place. The Bamps. The Bamps, which Bamp is the sound that Nightcrawler makes when he teleports. That's the onomatopoeia they use. He goes, Bamp, Bamps. So, yeah, like, the X-Men are absurd, but cool. So she immediately gets thrown into that when some dude named um, Ord of Breakworld. Apparently, Breakworld is a place that they could see into the future and learned that a mutant would destroy Breakworld in the future. So Ord trained his whole life to go over and, like, find whatever mutant was going to do it and stop them. Yeah, so here's a quick thing on Ord, because I fell down the rabbit hole, as I am wont to do. As we all researchers do. Ord comes over from Breakworld and is going to mm-hmm. go ham on some mutants, just trash them all. And then Sword, which is an organization much like S.H.I.E.L.D. and much like Hammer and much like all the silly acronyms they do, Sword steps in and is like, hey, hey, Ord, what if you didn't go killing them all? But instead, we helped you research how to cure being a mutant so you can cease make mutants cease to exist without killing mutants. And Ord says, fine, but only because our names rhyme. I'm making that part up. Um, I mean, that's about, you know what? Marvel logic, that stands. Yeah, honestly, I could write. I could write that. So... And this actually ties in closely. When Ord attacks with the, like, serum that can cure mutant powers now, Armor's there. And she's there with a close friend named Wing, who's just a mutant who can fly. Like Angel, but without wings. Such a clever... Uh, No, definitively better than Angel, then. Definitively better, yeah. Like, Angel is just one of the dumbest characters ever i can't you don't get me started i cannot wait until last stand where we get to just (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah well i mean if we do the movies in order and we do x-men then the third movie review we do will be the last stand and we're gonna smush we're gonna smush that little bird okay we're gonna get him such such a good movie such a bad movie yeah yeah um (laughs) but Wing is there fighting Ord of Breakworld, and Ord gives Wing the cure. So Wing. No, he's not better than Angel. No. no. Wing's just a person now. And Wing, who loved flying, can't get over it. Wing goes and is in the danger room. Okay, this is this is more X-Men insanity. Wing is in the danger room, which the danger room is like the holodeck in Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trip. It's like the holodeck in Star Trek where they can go and simulate training stuff. Wind starts spending a lot of time in the holodeck pretending to fly around outside in a simulation because he can't get over it. And then it turns out that, like, the danger room had a sentience within it named Danger. 
the sentience convinces Wing to jump off a building in the danger room. Wing dies. And then, yeah. Somehow. What? No, wait, no, 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 no. Okay, wait, pause, pause. (laughs) A sentient thing. A sentient, basically Ultron from Age of Ultron. Like an AI within the danger room that became self-aware. Yeah, said, said, jump off a building <laughs> in the danger room. First of all, why call it the danger room? That sounds like poor planning, Charles. <laughs> and then instead of doing the logical thing of thinking... Well, I mean, I'm in the danger room, and the floor is right there, technically. So this couldn't actually kill me physically. They kill him. Uh-huh. So, I don't so, know if I'm more angry about this or Darwin in X-Men First Class. Oh, we will get there. But, yeah, so Wing is in the danger room is convinced by an AI within the danger room that if he jumps off a building, his powers will reawaken to save his life. So he commits suicide accidentally, also coercedly. And then danger, the sentient AI within, creates a body and escapes. All this to say, Armor, Hisako, was really close with Wing. And it really, really messed her up when he died. And so, like, later on down the road, whenever Danger comes back around and is, like, a good guy now, because Marvel Comics loves to swap allegiances around Danger, like, I'm an AI that learned my lesson. Oop-a-doop-a-doo. Danger comes back around, and Armor's like, no, you're evil. You killed my friend. And then Danger says, wait. I feel bad every day because of it. And Armor says, okay. No. 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 Marvel, this is bad. Yeah, yeah. This is bad writing on Marvel's part. But I think what they were trying to get at is that Armor is, like, has a sense of justice but isn't overly vindictive and isn't overly revenge-oriented. I guess is the message there. Because Armor was like, okay, you feel remorse, you hate that you did this, you're good now, I'm going to let you be good. I think it's lazy writing, but once again, he committed suicide in a simulation. So. (sighs) Hey, Cordell. Yeah? If an AI tricked me into doing an unalive, would you forgive that AI? Is the AI like... A really chill bro that I could podcast with? It no. No? It's danger. It's just danger. No, I wouldn't forgive danger, but if like if the if the Bad AI writing if the AI was like Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone, but in twenty twenty one, I'd hang out with him every day. Hey, Rod Serling's ghost. You're free to come on the podcast anytime yeah. you want. Rod Ser- is Rod Serling dead? Do we know that? I don't know. I'm assuming he's dead. I'm going to Google it real quick. This is the part of the show where Cordell Googles stuff so we don't get in trouble for saying someone's dead when they're not. Oh, he totally died in 1975. He's dead. He's dead, dead. So Rod Serling's ghost, come guest. One, proof of the paranormal. Two, you seem like the chillest dude, and I hope this reaches your grave through a fallen telephone line like in an episode of Twilight Zone. Yeah, I've actually called him five times through a toy phone. There it is. So, (laughs) Armor's been through so much, like, X-Men shenaniganery that I don't... I didn't have an easy time finding relevant things to say about her. She basically just gets shunted off from team to team to team and does stuff um worth mentioning about her like origin and trajectory she was trained to fight by wolverine and when at one point when wolvie died she felt that pretty hard like that hit her hard she was one of wolverine's like you know how wolverine has that history of like young female sidekicks 
that's a little bit he, wrong and weird because they're all like yeah. they're all like his connection to being a decent person like a companion on doctor who she was one of those mm. for a time um mm. there's like bond girl there's wolverine children i think is another category that's gross that sounds gross yeah it's pretty gross when they do it too wolverine's Ooh. way more problematic than we ever thought man yeah anyway our research is not helping yeah <laughs> we're just gonna keep keep building this case against the old wolfster um so yeah and she was also trained in tactics by cyclops himself um hmm. and overall when it comes to like her general trajectory she's a bruiser x-men teams tend to have specific categories of x mutant people things that they plug into different spots like almost every x-men team has a psychic of some sort almost every x-men team has a bruiser a colossus a colossus an armor a big tough character almost every x-men team has a small fast fighter almost every x-men team has a character who can fly and almost every x-men team has one who can like shoot projectiles like they they very much have a standard team layout and Mm -hmm. so like hisako hasn't really gotten very much actual character development so much as she has been shunted around from team to team to team um to be a bruiser um as far as her powers go she has what marvel.fandom.com calls a psionic exoskeleton armor which is kind of the best way to put it it's big and it's red and um whenever she like summons it it comes up around her and so her body's in the middle and it's like clear armor that's red tinted and when she's got it she's stronger and faster and more durable and all that jazz um she can manifest it at will and can alter its size and shape but it's exhausting for her to make it like too big or do too much like at some point she she like made wolverine claws in the armor which is pretty legit. But at the same time, like, she can't do too much stuff like that, lest it get exhausting for her. Um, some things about the armor lasers get in. It's basically indestructible, but lasers get in because it has to let light through. That's a canonical explanation for why lasers get in, which is pretty dang neat. It's interesting yeah, that they I mean, don't that, diffuse that it all. That actually makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And Wolverine adamantium can get in. But when Wolverine at one point attacked her because X-Men junk, Wolverine attacks her at one point and his claws go through, but his skin doesn't go through. So she didn't get stabbed. Interesting. I see. I was also, I see my thought when you were saying that was that the adamantium bit went through, but when it started to become bone covered in adamantium, it stopped going through. No, 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 no. The adamantium is good, but the skin stopped it. Ah, gotcha. That makes sense. So, yeah, she's got the adamantium can't get through, but lasers can get through, and adamantium does that. Um, And then she's got more that I'll talk about in retcons, because they've done some weird stuff in how her armor functions. Uh, Team affiliations. What'd you say? Yeah. What team? Let's see. See, I brought a character with no retcons. Yeah, you also Boom. brought a character that only exists in a limited series. Ba-boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for team affiliations, she was in New Mutants and Sword. Those are her, like, current-ish ones. In Sword, she was in The Six. And then she has also been in X-Men, Xavier Institute Student Body, Summers Institute Student Body, Hounds, Worthington Industries, Paladin Squad, and New X-Men. For Family Tree, she had two parents and a brother, but her mother and brother died in a car accident in Japan. Um, And her father was distant and a bit estranged, especially because when she went to her mom and brother's funeral... 
uh, Fin Fang Foom, who's a giant dragon, attacked Tokyo, and she left the funeral to go help the X-Men fight him. And her dad was like, what the heck? You left the funeral. And then he saw on TV that she saved the city and was like, oh, you were willing to put aside your own grief and struggle to do what was right. And then they got to be a little closer. Aw. Amorous entanglements, none yet. 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 Eventually. Eventually they'll do something stupid with her. Um, Or something cool. I'm hoping for cool. Coolest moment for me is she, whenever she left the funeral to go fight Fin Fang Foom, grew her armor to the size of a building. Like we're talking Pacific Rim size armor to fight oh a giant my dragon. Gosh. Well, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, honestly, what was your introduction to Fing Fang Foom? Uh, almost none. Like, I know very little about the dude except, really, that Armor fought him and that he's a big old villain. And some people think he's going to come to the MCU. I think he will, too. My introduction, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Oh, such a good game. Oh, I never got very far in those games, but I really want to. Maybe dude, we could, like, play, play it on Switch and stream it sometime. Let's find a way to co-op it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun. It's got right. co-op in there. Um, lamest moment. She hasn't really done anything lame, but I'm calling the writers lame for never utilizing her well. That's fair. Um, retcons. Okay. Salt. My cat is named Salt. I have another cat named Pepper. Sorry, he is just all over me right now and getting all up in the yeah, way of that, our that, stuff. That big fat cat's been all up in the camera. Yeah, he's very, very cute and sweet. Maybe okay. I'll post social media pictures of my kitties sometimes. Salt and Pepper, they're very cute. But Pepper leaves me alone while I do my work, unlike somebody. Um, retcons. Oh, Salto. He's so good. He's so good. Retcon. They've kind of sort of retconned her energy armor a couple times. At first, it was just like normal psionic energy. Then they yeah. said that her armor was like made of ancestral energy or something, like fueled by her family hair, like her family ancestry, which feels a little bit racist. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like kind of using like a stereotypical like Asian, Asian American trope type thing. Uh-huh. It feels it feels a little bit low-hanging fruit and not well done. But like her armor got stronger when she was fighting in America. Her mother and brother died on the other side of the world and her armor grew massive because her family members died. That kind of weirdness. Um, that yeah. doesn't feel yeah. that doesn't feel good. I don't like it, it leaves a bad it has a bad mouth feel. It really does. Oh, yeah. Yucky. And then they uh, later they were like, actually, it's made of memories because the Muramasa blade, which is some cockamamie thing, can cut through anything except memory. And it couldn't cut through her armor. So her armor is made of memory. So I guess it's meant to be made of the memory of her ancestors, which, again, doesn't feel good. I don't I don't like it. Yeah, it. It, it feels very cop-outy and bad. Yeah, why couldn't it just be, like, just psychic well, that, energy? That, why does every other... Why does Psylocke get to, like, just create psychic energy? Why does everyone get to make psychic right. energy? But then, like, the the well, Japanese it, girls gotta another, have ancestor you, energy. Listen, it'd be... And it'd also be a, a better thing if it was, like... Cool. This is a sorcery thing. You have Doctor Strange in the same universe. Where did Doctor Strange go to learn his stuff? He goes to China. He goes to Japan. He goes to Southeast yeah. Asia. There are several places where he goes. There are several ways to do this. Why lean into these? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's... I'll, but if it was if, if it was an Asian, right? If it was like a uh, like Japanese descendant, Chinese descendant, that would make it better for me because then it wouldn't be like we're a bunch of white people writing storylines and we're gonna lean into the tropes that we know yeah i Ugh. i think you're 100 percent right 
that if we ever find out that she's not a mutant, but has like some latent magical energy, that that is be way, so way better. That is one that's a baller idea for a character. It's like, hi, I'm a magic user, but I can only utilize my magic to create barriers in the form of an armor around me. That's awesome. That so lets dope. her train. That lets her be skilled. Like, honestly, I'm not a huge retcon guy. I would let that retcon happen. I would write that retcon because that that yeah. helps her not be just a because mutants are mutant is literally a genetic thing. Why does her mutation connect to family ancestors? Like, how would that work? There's no way they can explain that without some kind of afterlife magic. And literally, hell and heaven exist in Marvel. Yeah. So, like, they could easily make it any magic thing and instead she's a mutant and they try to try to do that it just doesn't feel good and i'm a guy who's normally against retcons i would support retconning her into a sorcerer apprentice type deal and that'll actually get into like my reasoning for that goes beyond making her powers feel better into other stuff that Mm -hmm. i'll get to in my personal analysis the last retcon is her armor and like its original depiction was blue and then it became red and that's about it. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's aesthetic things. I don't. Yeah. Um, live action adaptations. None. Was she in the Infinity Saga? No. Caleb? No. Was exceptional huh. in the Infinity Saga? No. None of them were in the Infinity Saga. Um, none of them helped. None. Because they weren't blame them yet. I blame them, though. Yeah, yeah. Exceptional could have stopped Thanos. Prop. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that'd be a worthwhile expenditure of that. That'd be the one. That'd be the one. Um, my personal analysis of Hisako, uh, does she live up to her potential? Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. They have created... And here's armor is in a category of pet characters for me that I love, but they have been criminally underused. Marvel has an incredible lineup of small-scale characters with so much potential if they weren't just background pieces, if they weren't just scenery, if armor weren't just a bruiser to be thrown on a team and they could actually develop her. It would be incredible, which does get into what I see as a... um, a weakness of X-Men writing typically is because X-Men is so dependent on existing as a team. They can get away with less character development on all the individuals and just have the team identity be what matter and focus on one or two, which is really, really frustrating because then you get characters like her and like, I just feel like so many characters in X-Men, so many mutants are really potentially awesome and then they're just never developed they're just never given a chance to be so like yeah well it i think that's just a thing with marvel is that marvel has so many characters that they don't know what to do with all of them yeah and Um, and because there's just yeah yeah it's just a thing it's just how it works it's it's an unfortunate thing and there's there's no overall like as far as I know, ostensibly, looking at them, there's no one saying, here's the grand structure of everything we're going to do. It's just, here's our gimmick for the year, and then we'll retcon what we need to later. Which, yep. Not we're, we're really being down on comics right now. But well, it, I, but it's something that we love, and yeah. our, our criticism comes from a place of love and wanting to see it become better. Um it i don't know i think we've i I think a problem with x-men and a problem with most comics is we've seen the same storylines on repeat over and over and over infinite yeah like the fact that there was ord from break world who developed a mutant cure and no one talked about it like it's not a thing anyone's aware of is because there's always someone from some other timeline who thinks mutants are bad there's always someone who's got a cure there's it's just so played out, especially in the well, X Men. I mean, part of that, and like, I don't, I, I know we need, we're gonna wrap up the episode soon. We promise people, but like, that, that's one thing that like, 
comes in with the X-Men as their analogy where they started as a very like a very good analogy and a very good symbol for like the plight of like of like anti-racism in America mm-hmm. of of people being like hey listen we can be peaceful about this being the Xavier side versus like we cannot be peaceful with the like repre- with the brotherhood of mutants kind of representing your like Malcolm X Black Panther style like mi- militant activism um yeah. which like honestly I'm going to like I don't want to I'm not going to touch on either of those on or on how I feel about either of those cuz this isn't the show for that um and then it eventually became more of a symbol of like LGBTQ rights and everything like that as racism supposedly lessened and lessened out of the forefront supposedly is a heavy word in that sentence yeah Um, big 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 supposedly and like we in general are going to do our best to be a podcast that doesn't get overly political but the fact is with storytelling you can't escape it you can't avoid it especially with political allegory x-men like it's so interesting to me, and I think, once again, this isn't the show to discuss it, but the fact that the X-Men have moved past talking about race for so long, even though race relations are still so horrible. And, like, like just mm-hmm. just yesterday, as we're recording as this... As we're recording this. Derek Chauvin was convicted on all three charges. Like... But that yeah. was the first conviction of a, a police officer for killing a black person in the whole state. Ever. Yeah. So, like... Now, um... Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, yet again, we're not going to try and get mm-hmm. too political, but this is this is something that is important to talk about, even if you're not trying to be political. These are important things to yeah. discuss. And um, a lot of it's lost in the comic silliness. But honest to goodness, the X-Men movies do a pretty decent job, at least the first one, of tackling this sort of topic. Like, the right. the con- the core is there, but it gets muddied really, really hard until it's just just a bunch of people in tights with powers. Um, I'll talk more about this with X3, The Last Stand. Uh... There is a really good allegory there for, like, the mutant cure being a very obvious symbol now looking back of, like, gay conversion therapy, where you have people outside being like, there's no need for the... I'm not going to go further into this. This is actually something I'm going to go really in-depth on on the X3 episode. The Um, point we're making here is that the X-Men in general don't live up to their full potential as a storytelling conceit. And yes. they are often used to not fully write characters. And yeah. Armor has suffered greatly because of that. So what would I love to see for her? I would love to see her, one, actually get real development, but two, become a solo hero. Like, for me, Armor is one of those yeah. characters that could stand on her own, especially if her focus becomes using her armor creatively. Because really all she does is get makes a battle suit and fights. She can shape it. If she could focus on fine-tuning that, she has a tool mm-hmm. for every situation. She has every solution there. Like, she's a Swiss Army person if she can train it. So I would love to see, one, her become a magic user because that would make everything a little bit better if they were like, mm-hmm. oh, this is actually magic. Train with the sorcerer. That'd be great. Plus, be great. I think she'd do cooler stuff over there. But like, yeah. just let her be on her own and let her be witty. Don't no. don't make her a yeah. bunch of fists on a small person. Like, just let her be a witty character. Yeah. What do you uh, think, Caleb? Yeah. Oh no, I definitely agree. I think there's a lot of like characters that started as like background characters that became good, became better once they got the spotlight. X twenty three is the perfect example. Once yeah. she got a solo line people loved her and i think armor is going to be another classic example of that marvel give your character solo lines but there's something more that i want to talk about because we got to hit that surprise because we set up a surprise at the beginning of the episode oh yeah 
I, I was genuinely lost for a minute. I was like, Caleb, what are we doing? Okay, so the fun thing, I, I don't think it's actually a surprise. I'm pretty sure we told them about it in our first episode, but maybe you forgot. They're going to yeah. fight. Part They're of the gonna thing fight here, him. yeah, we, we yeah take we're the not two gonna characters. talk through all the stra- we're, we're gonna not talk through all the strategy, but we're gonna talk about who's gonna win in a fight if we put them one v one. This one I feel like is very obvious. Either armor wins or nobody wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either armor wins because exceptional's not gonna explode or exceptional says okay i'll explode and maybe armor survives because of her special armor but that's a strong maybe that's a very that might be the better question to ask here than who would win i and that is something you know what i think we don't have time to talk about now however i do want to say if it's if it acts like physical armor at all it's still gonna hurt a lot because of the blunt force. Well, she has apparently like fallen from great heights and landed and been okay, like because it absorbs all the physical impact. Like her inside is just kind of in a stasis. So in theory, the explosion launches her away, and then she lands super far away. A little worse for wear. Oh, then I think armor wins hands down. Okay, cool. Splody or no splody, uh, armor wins. Down. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, Cordell one, Caleb zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, new goal. Pick only characters that'll win. That's not true. Not um, real. Not the real goal. Then I I have to guess a picture, don't I? Yeah, that's right, everyone. It's time for your favorite segment, my favorite segment, because Cordell hits me with the not super, so I hit him back with the one and only. Cordell guesses a picture where I send Cordell a picture. Well, I do. Where I send Cordell a picture through our Discord of a super zoomed in picture of a hero and or villain from somewhere within comics. Cordell, please look at that picture and guess who it is. To remind everyone at home, he is allowed two yes or no questions. Once he's burned those, he is not allowed anymore. I will post this when I post the link to the episode on the Twitter, and then we will cover it the next episode. However, for the first three episodes, since we're releasing them all at once, all three will be answered in episode four. Cordell, guess that picture. This is not a yes or no question. This is not my question. Is that a Fabergé egg? No. Okay, but that's not the question, right? Right? Uh, I won't count it. Okay, good, good, good. So, for the people at home, what I'm seeing, there's, like, the center is an egg-shaped, like, purpley object with a nice shine at the top, and it's got either an N or a sideways Z written on, like, painted on it, and it looks glassy or, like, marbly. And then a person is holding it with two fingers, and they're gloved, and they're purpley, and then there's, like... Like, purple, like, maybe it looks like a shoulder almost. And then there's a painting behind it and, like, a wall that's a little cracked. Uh, Is this character Marvel? It is not. Is this character DC? It is! Okay. People at home, let me let you on a little secret that you already know and I will tell you every time. I hate guessing games. So, unless I've got a real big hunch, I'm not really gonna, not really gonna, like, try too hard. So, that N is actually a sideways Z, and I'm gonna guess General Zod. Well, you won't know until episode, well, you'll know after the episode's done, but our listeners won't know until they see the picture and try to guess for themselves. If you are the first person to guess who this uh, zoomed-in picture actually is, we will shout you out on the show. Be looking out for that on our Twitter. Speaking of our Twitter, Cordell? Okay, y'all. Once again, listener mail, please email us. It'll be great. Uh, Don't be a jerk. Let us know if we got anything wrong. Let us know if we got anything right. I'd love that part. Um, For all of our social medias, Twitter, we are at JustSuper616. You can email us at JustSuper616 at gmail.com. You could follow Caleb Burley on Twitter at AwkwardFrom1997. 
And you can follow me at Cordelicious. It's like Fergalicious, but with Cordell. If I make them boys go loco. Oh my gosh. Um, All right, we have to do this every episode. Thank you to the one and only Luke Wells for editing the show. This show is produced by speaking into our microphones. We are recording separately right now because of COVID, but we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. Thank you to the one and only, the incomparable Haley Northington for creating our uh, little podcasting art. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Caleb Burley. Oh, and my name is Cordell, and Caleb's a little bit full of it. Like, yeah, we're recording across town, but we're basically a family unit for COVID stuff. And, like, and I, we haven't we went on a figured walk out. Earlier today. And we haven't figured out how to end the show. But this Luke, will not why be don't a fade you, out. It won't. No, it won't. No. Luke, end the show for... <laughs>